Hello and welcome to the Vorthos cast. I'm Lorelai Weissel-Labrizzi. And I'm Chris Delano. And lordy, are our ranks ravaged by the winter. Uh, we, it's just, just us again. Uh, we, uh, we, we wish... Uh, send good wishes to 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 Jay and Carrie and and Brian and people will be filtering back in uh, hopefully hopefully soon. But uh, uh, and until then, uh, we're going to carry you through um, some of the some of the additional narrative things that have been happening with uh, Kamigawa and Neon Dynasty today. You made me miss our podcast co-hosts a lot. I really do miss them. I want I want Brian and Carrie and Jay back on these episodes. So we're we're like like we're almost at episode 200. We've been doing this for well, at least I have. Um, you know, uh, Jay Carrie and I started this podcast nearly 4 years ago. Um, like this has just been around for a while. It's like weird to think that this has been part of my life for that long. Um, I got got good pals out of it, which is great. Um, but they ain't here except you, Chris. So uh, we got through this episode. I mean, you know that like I've been on this podcast for two years now. That's not true. That is that is I I'm sorry to alert you, but that is absolutely true. That's messed up. Uh, my first episode was a hundred episodes ago. <laughs> what? Uh, yeah, that's uh huh. Mm, I hate time. Uh, well. Not exactly 100. Let me be more clear. It was like 95 episodes ago. Next episode will be my 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 point where I've done as many episodes as uh well, I know no this is the episode where I've now done as many episodes as there existed before I joined the podcast. So uh I feel old. Look, this is relatable. Like I I can segue this back into Kamagawa. Hold on. Uh this is relatable because I'm just like you know, I'm like, yeah, we're back on Kamigawa. It's been a while. And then I realized it's been uh, like 19 years or 18 years. Um, and I was like, yeah, that's that eight. Wow. 18 years. And Kamigawa was the um, second block that came out after I started playing. I started playing when 8th edition came out in summer of 03. And uh, Magic was only 10 years old then. Magic is three times as old now as it was when I started playing. And the overwhelming majority of Magic players were not playing when Kamigawa came out the first time. And I am I am in like an ever shrinking percentage of players who remember the original block. And uh, that's harrowing. Yeah, we're we're getting are we the boomers? No, well, and so this is the <laughs> thing is, is like, I'm like, I'm not even like a magic boomer, like, because I know all these people who've like been playing uh, since antiquities and stuff. I'm like, I'm not even an old player. And then I realized I've been playing for 19 years. And it's like, oh, well, I think you might be a boomer now. I think that's how that works. If if you played the game when damage was on the stack, I think yeah. that makes you old. Um, anyways. So I, so, <laughs> look, I I remember when Sakura Tribelder was good for being more than just a random growth on a body. I remember when it used to be a removal spell tethered to a rampant growth because you could block something, damage on the stack, sack it to get a land, and kill the thing. It was messed up. But we're not talking about mechanics today. We're talking about lore. And if you want to get some more Kamigawa lore, if you want to know what this world is about, the Planeswalker's Guide has been published over on the Wizards Magic website. 
which kind of updates you on the uh, major cities and locations on the plane, as well as talk about the merge gates a little, because that's that's a thing that didn't, uh, you know, the merge gates were mentioned in the stories, uh, but they are the places where the spirit realm and the mortal realm are overlapping uh, and becoming one realm. And so they are, uh, and uh, there's a uh, good, good high res art, uh, well, not high res, but like web page art, quality art of uh, what some of that merger looks like. It's it's all pixelated, you know, because of magic, not because of anything digital. But, you know, if it's the digital aesthetic, isn't that convenient? Um, it is, in fact, a thing I really like about the world building, visually. But um, reading the Planeswalker's Guide has made me, like, desperate for uh, a game in this setting. Like, I want to play Cyberpunk 2077, except instead of being Cyberpunk 2077... No. Uh, it's it's Kamikawa. Like no, I no, want no, to no. play look, like look. Yeah. In a couple months, I'm gonna be talking all about how you should be playing Blades in the Dark in New Capenna. If you want to play in Kamigawa, go play Beam Saber. It's another Forge in the Dark game. It's a wonderful game. Uh, also, though, if you want to be like planeswalking mech pilots, you could probably make Lancer work. I don't want to be a mech pilot though. I want to be like a ninja crawling the streets of Tawashi and like tracking a mark. I want to be like Kaito. That's what I want to do. The good news is you can probably also adapt Blades in the Dark for Kamigawa. We have a lot of crime here. It is cyberpunk. Um, there are also just like cyberpunk games you can play. But, uh, you know, this this would be a good thirsty sword lesbian setting. Um, <laughs> I, I you know, we, we played D&D in MTG on the show for a bit. And, uh, you know, that is the natural crossover to do with them both being Watsi products. But, uh, you know, I, I strongly encourage if you like magic as a setting and there is a specific tabletop RPG you want to play, just adapt magic into that setting and have a blast. Yeah. Well, enjoy it. Anyway, let's I, talk about <laughs> talk about Kaido's origin stories. Wait, wait, before we, we get to that, just uh, a reminder to everyone, the uh, full card set has officially been revealed by the time you're listening to this podcast. So if you want to go check it out and you're not like keeping up with previews, you can go to the website and check the card image gallery. Next week oh. is Flavor Gems. Yeah, we'll have all the cards. Um, but yes, Kaito's origin stories, which we got in like December? December, is that right? Uh, I think that's right. Yeah. Oh my god, it was December 16th. It's been oh, wow. a long time. We've had these for a while. I just read them today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They, they came out right before we went on our little like Christmas and New Year break. And so uh, we haven't talked about them yet because we came back and I was like, hey, it's time to talk about Kamigawa and also the Boom Comics just wrapped up. So uh, talk about them now. Um, and uh, I'm not going to delay. Chris, start us off with Kaido Origin Stories Episode 1. I don't remember oh, what right. it was called. Uh, it was called A Test of Loyalty because it shows some uh, tests of loyalty. So uh, and, episode... uh, Kemi wrote these also. Yes. Yes, these were yes, also written by uh, Akimi Don Bowman, who uh, has done an incredible job with these stories and Kaito and uh, Kamigawa in general. But Test of Loyalty is, starts out with, uh, it's been a year, been, I think, more than a year since the Emperor went missing. Uh, it's been Kaito, some time. Yeah. Um, Kaito, who we are being introduced to for the first time if we read these stories uh, when they were released, but we know Kaito. Uh, this is before all of the events of the main story. Uh, Kaito is in Tawashi, and he's working for the Hyozen Reckoners, uh, sort of like doing jobs for them in the city, which we learn are led by Satoru Umazawa. Is this of the Umazawa line? Probably not. Does he use the Umazawa name? Absolutely. 
I mean, he could still be part of the Umazawa line. Well, then Bolas uh, has failed so many times to actually complete any of his plans. Yeah, maybe. It would actually make sense. But uh, anyways, uh, Kaido is tailing this man who's in like a garishly yellow neon coat that's got like little koi on it. Um, it's very cute and, and ugly at the same time. I loved it. Uh, and uh, Kaito just sort of like follows him. And then whenever he sits down at a curry stall, uh, Kaito sort of slips by him and steals his wallet. Uh, he uses a device that is basically a smartphone uh, and pulls up what is essentially the crime app, as I can figure it out. Um, it's, it's like a a little display where he can see all these people that the the uh, reckoners are like have hits out on or marks on. And Kaito marks off this guy as complete because he owes money and Kaito just robbed him of more than enough money. Uh, and he goes and uh, buys himself some dumplings with some of the leftover cash. Everything is very cyberpunk. Like it is neon lights, crowded cities, lots of fun. I like it. Okay, but it's also like street vendors and like wandering yokai is great. Yeah, it's... Uh, Kimmy Don Bowman is doing an incredible job of like immediately within the first like few paragraphs of the story, you get everything you need to know about Kamigawa. There's neon lights, there's technology, but there's also like Kami. There's like these curry stalls. It's uh, it's an excellent just first jump into the setting. Um, but Kaido takes that money that he stole and he returns to the Reckoner compound. Uh, he sort of is thinking about who the Reckoners are. And now we know them from the original Kamigawa Block story. These are different Reckoners, uh, once again, using the name. Uh, maybe they are somehow related to the original ones. Who knows? But anyways, these Reckoners, uh, they all have tattoos on them uh, that will kill them very slowly and painfully if they ever betray Satoru Umazawa. Uh, but Kaito does not have any of those tattoos yet because he's not been fully initiated because he's not even 16 years old yet. So uh, he, he enters the compound and he gets accosted by this like big burly Reckoner uh, who you know accuses him of stealing his match, uh, or excuse me, accuses him of stealing his mark. Uh, Kaido knows that he has absolutely- yeah, no Stealing his match, he's not on Tinder. Come on, he's on the crime <laughs> app. I swiped right on that guy. <laughs> uh, oh. it's, like tin- it's like Tinder, but for criminals. It, it feels like this smartphone style device that Kaito has is like only used for crime. That's the only time we see it. And it makes me think that like you can go buy an iPhone for crimes where the only apps are things like, you know, people to rob, uh, things you can illegally sell, things like that. Just, well, now you sound like you're on the $10,000 pyramid. I don't know what that is. That's a game show. Don't worry. The old people who listen to this <laughs> will understand. It's one of my favorite game shows. It's a very good show. I like the uh, way it's structured. Anyway. Anyways, uh, Kaido knows he's not going to beat this guy in like a fight because Kaido uh, just has like a really tiny, essentially kitchen knife. You, I mean, like that's a nice way of putting it. It's like the only weapon he has. Uh, so Kaido uses his words instead of some swords. Uh, and he explains that he got the Mark's money and not his blood. And that should be enough because he got all the money he needs to pay off the debts. Uh, this uh, woman reckoner who is uh, referred to throughout the story as... Uh, Satoru's uh, channeler, but she doesn't ever actually get a name for herself. Uh, she's uh, reportedly let herself be possessed by Azamaki, the kami of treachery incarnate, several times. Oh, this is the extremely hot lady. Yeah. 
Oh, I was going to say she has like, she has like ashen gray skin and like the pupils of her eyes are like melting into the whites. It's sure. Yeah, she's very hot. She's also like muscular and like gets better as these stories. She does get a name later, I believe. Uh, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll cover that. She's a hot, muscular punk lady. And I appreciate that about her. Well, she comes out and she takes Kaito and brings him back to Satoru. Uh, Satoru. Uh, who explains to Kaito that the Reckoners appreciate his efficiency and how good he is at hitting a mark because Kaito has this habit of like trailing and finding a mark the very day that it goes out, which is very uncommon. Uh, And uh, Satoru explains like, that's great, but he's not exactly sending any messages. Uh, You know, someone owes the, the, uh, the Reckoners money. Kaito just takes the money. You should just kill the guy, right? I mean, like that's how you send a message. Um, But anyways, uh, he offers Kaito a special job. Uh, he wants Kaito to go and steal some schematics from a futurist who's working on a way to merge tech and Kami together. And this futurist, his name is Tameshi. Huh? Huh? If you listen to last week's episode, you should you should know who Tameshi is. Well, who Tameshi was, but we'll get there. Right. Um, anyways, uh, Kaito goes searching for him and finds out that Tameshi's lab is not on Odawara but is actually in the Boseju district, uh, meaning like among the roots of Boseju, which is a really weird place to find a moonfolk. So he reaches out to Aiko, his sister, who he hasn't seen in like a year, to act as a guide through Kami territory, because remember, she is training to be a Kami diplomat. They sort of like quip at each other about like the different Kami to expect, and Kaito says something about being scared of the Kami of empty graves, and Aiko jokes back that like, oh no, she's very polite. The one you should be worried about is the Kami of Forgotten Clearings. And they they laugh it off, and uh, Kai, uh, they, they approach Boseju District, and then Aiko gets permission to enter from the Kodama of the West Tree, who I guess functions as sort of like the gatekeeper of the district. Uh, and the Kodama explains like, hey, it's fine, you can come in here. Uh, but also, like, don't go past the river. And Aiko explains this to Kaito and also says to Kaito, no weapons, because she's afraid that Kaito is going to... uh, I think she expresses it later on as saying, like, she was going to use words before swords, but she thought that Kaito would use a weapon before ever trying to talk to anyone. He's Uh, a fighty boy. He is, but we just saw that he's, like, very well aware of using words before uh, getting into a fight. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways... Uh, they walk into the Boseju district and like immediately Kaito pulls a knife on Akami. So, I mean, Aiko was right. Um, it was, it was not a, uh, not, it was true. It, it's funny because this is, this is a podcast and thus an oral format. Uh, and so you said Kami and that's just a homophone with the slang for communists. And, and my brain had to take a moment to be like, oh, he he didn't try to like knife a Leninist or something. Um. No, it, I, I've been getting that little homophone stuck in my head for a while, thinking about how I was going to make a joke about it somehow uh, as a commie, if I was going to make a commie joke. Anyways. Uh, Look, <laughs> every, every comedian who tries to tell communism jokes is really really just trying to leave their marks on the industry i i could see that joke forming i could see it happening and i was powerless to stop it anyway much much like the inevitable collapse of capitalism yeah it's coming for us all some of us much sooner than you think uh anyways they continue on through the boseju district and uh they they stop at the river and kaito knows that he's been told not to go past the river 
but he like immediately starts crossing it and Aiko gets very upset and is like, no, we are not supposed to go past the river. And Kaito just kind of knows that that's the way to go. Uh, Aiko argues with him and then she like walks away. And so Kaito assumes, oh, well, I guess I'm just going on my own. He crosses the river and he uses his little uh, origami drone that he gets in the main story, like episode one, which has not been released yet as of the time of the story's release. Anyways, he uses his little origami drone to go over and find Tameshi's lab. And once he finds it, he discovers uh, there's some, some some sort of trapped Kami, maybe? Uh, so Kaito sort of speeds up, gets over to the lab. He is checking it out when he discovers, or is discovered by, Tameshi, who sort of sneaks up behind him, because remember, if you're a floating moonfolk, you don't have to walk. Uh, so no footsteps to be heard. They get into a fight. Uh, Kaito manages to get an upper hand. And like he's kind of strangling Tameshi. Uh, when Aiko returns and demands, hey, stop fighting. This person has information that we need. Uh, they sort of chat with each other. Kaito reveals that his drone was a gift from Katsumasa, who we saw in the main story. We got to see that scene happen. Uh, Tameshi is a little impressed by this. He reveals that he worked on that drone technology. Uh, Aiko, seeing this sort of cage with a trapped Kami in it, uh, runs over and opens it up to discover it's not a Kami at all. It's a robot Tanuki. Rommet. I love it. It's very cute. It's because Tanukis are really cute. If you've ever, if you've like never seen them in real life, they're just like chunky dogs with raccoon masks. That's all they are. They're so cute. And one of my favorite cards in the set that I'm sure I will talk about on Flavor Gems is the giant Tanuki. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> but uh, at that point, Kaito hears a call from the forest and it sounds like Kyodai. So he's thinking, oh crap, the Kami of the Imperial family is here. And he runs off to find Kyotai and instead finds a, a Tanuki-shaped Kami. And then the Kami sees him. And that's the end of part one. <gasps> Dramatic cliffhanger. It wasn't really much of a cliffhanger. It's sort of just like, oh, the Kami then looks at him. And then that's the end of that story. Both stories were published in the same article. So the story just kind of continues from there. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to do you want to tell the story of episode two? Um, yeah, so it starts off with this assassination attempt on uh, Senator Amadala, and then so Obi Wan has to do some noir esque uh, detective work to find out who tried to kill her, and they track down the assassin, and then the assassin gets killed, shapeshifter, and then it turns out, uh, you know, Obi Wan doesn't know where this dart came from, so he asks his old gay pal Dex because they're gay together because that's the only way this entire scene makes sense at the diner in Coruscant where this dart of charms from Camino. It's a Camino saber dart. Uh, and Obi-Wan's like, what the hell's Camino? I've never heard of that planet. And Dex is like, well, it exists. It's over there. Uh, well, past the Rishi maze. And, and so he goes and investigates and tracks down, uh, the, the, the clone founders on Camino. Is this the right episode too? I'm not going to stop you. No, you aren't going to stop. I'm sitting here waiting for you to stop me. I, you know, I think episode two of the Star Wars prequels is a little underrated. I think the acting is terrible, but it's got a fun story. Uh, I think it starts off with a fun story. Okay, yeah, okay. It, it starts off with a fun story, and then you can kind of sleep through a lot of it. It's fine. Anyways, no, the episode two of Kaito's origin story, uh, which begins with, like, Kaito just meeting the Kami that we just saw. Oh, I mean, I'll do it. I just was doing a bit. Well, um, so... Uh, 
Kami, uh, Kami, jeez, Kaito. Why does everything start with a K? Having it be Kaito and Aiko has been like the hardest thing where the names aren't actually like that similar, but they have enough similar sounds into them that every time I say Aiko or Kaito, when they're together, I have to like stop for a second and make sure. Am I talking about the right sibling? It might be more Aiko than Aiko. I am unsure, but uh doesn't matter. Like, point is, Kaido tells this Tanuki Kami that he means no harm. Uh, and uh, the the robo Tanuki, the little, the little drone comes over and sits next to um, the Tanuki Kami. And uh, they look almost identical. Huh? Curious. And so Tameshi and Aiko show up. Uh, and Tameshi is like, hey, I've been working on this project to make a drone um, uh, like merge with Akami so that we can research the merge gates better. Like instead of, you know, and we can have like Akami drone hybrid thing that can like explore the merge gates and like report back and we can better understand this like entire phenomenon that's happening. And we hope doesn't like screw up our entire world. Um, and so Aiko and Tameshi are do the 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 big traditionalism versus technology argument where Aiko is like, hey, we need to be respectful and reverent to the kami. They are uh, a, a part of this world and stuff. And Tameshi is like, actually, yes, also, but technology can help us. And also, and like if the kami are part of this world, they can help with that too. I'll be honest, that, that conversation between Aiko and Tameshi is a it's very long. Yeah. It's like a long part of the story. And uh, it could just get summed up in like a couple of sentences. Anyways. And then, oh no, the Reckoners found, you know, tracked them and showed up. Nari is is her name, right? No, no, Nari is listed as an expert in poisons. And the other one is only ever referred to as Satoru's channeler. They're, they're separate. You sure? Yeah, because Nari's okay. got like Nari's got like a different uh like look to her. The story came out months ago, I don't remember. <laughs> Point is the reckoners show up. Um because they trailed Kaito, because Satoru doesn't trust him, and he shouldn't, because Kaito's a liar. Kid's got a silver tongue and talks his way out of all kinds of shit and is like the reckoners are built on trust and Kaito can't be trusted. Um he's a little too independent uh for for them. Um, and they also knew that Kaito would lead them to Tameshi, uh, and cause they want to steal some tech and cause that's what they do. They steal tech, they'll steal magic, whatever it is that could be helpful for them. Um, and Tameshi, uh, you know, he's a nice guy, you know, and makes, you know, this bargain. Hey, I'll give up my schematics if you let Aiko and Kaito go. Um, and it turns out Aiko's got a knife. It's very funny because she spends like so much of the first episode being like, no weapons. And then she pulls a, a sword out of her sleeve. <laughs> uh huh. It's great. Uh, it's very fun. And, um, so she, she escapes from her captor and, and helps, uh, fight off long enough for Kaido to get a weapon too. Um, and uh, Tameshi is trying to get the Kami to merge with the drone. Because like, hey, you, this will be safer. Do the thing, please. Please just listen to me. Kami, ah! Um, but it's it's not listening. Oh, someone's cooking dinner right now and it smells really good. Anyway, that's not what happens in the story. That's happening in real life right now. And by right now, I mean days ago when any of you listen to this. But uh, time is really messed up for this episode. We're, we're going over stories that came out before the main story that happened in between parts of the main story. Uh, yeah, the, the, this, this story happens between episodes one and two of the main story. 
I considered inserting them into last week's episode, but I was like, no, nah, that's going to get too clunky. Um, anyway, uh, then the Order of Jukai shows up because all these people are in the woods bothering the Kami and they're like, hey, get the hell of our woods. Uh, very, very uh, um, Air Force One, get off my plane. But, you know, it's the woods. Um, and so someone, someone does get off the plane by the end of the story, though. <laughs> Spoilers. So Kaido uh, scoops up the Kami uh, and it's like, hey, please don't bite me, though. Uh, and they start running. Got it smells like quesadillas or something. I don't know. It smells really good. Uh, <laughs> um, and they stumble into Grave Lighter, the Kami of Forgotten Clearings. Oh, no. That was what we call a foreshadowing. In the first episode, when 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 Iko's like, "Oh, the real scary ones, the the Kami of Forgotten Clearings," and that's who they run into. Yeah, it's like, "Hey, you better watch out for this Kami," and then they run into that Kami because, of course. So Iko tries diplomacy. It's like, "Hey, don't worry, I know how to talk to Kami," and diplomacy fails. And um, they they got to fight a little bit, and uh, the the Tanuki Kami, um, their little pal, uh issues a command and uh gravelighter the kami of forgotten clearings retreats and tameshi reveals he was the one who summoned the order of jukai uh and uh hid his research and you know because he's gotten permission actually uh and um they kind of uh are are safe um and they chat and uh, laugh, and they're all good pals now. It really feels like the story's about to end at this part. Like, mm-hmm. I was really like, all right, it's over now, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's a little bit more to it. Yeah, and so Tamechi is like, look, I'll hold off on this research. Um, I don't want the Imperials, like, breathing down my neck. Uh, of course, we learn he goes on to do way worse things and didn't stop the research. Uh, and Kaido names the Kami um, uh, Pompon-chan, uh, and is like, hey, you should go to Iganjo um, with my sister. And, you know, she, she's good with Kami. And, like, so obviously you shouldn't, like, go with me. Then Pompon-chan doesn't want to go. And she's like, hey, actually, my name is Hamoto. And, like, I'm the Kami of the Spark. And now I'm going to merge with this drone. And uh, she shifts into the Tanuki mask that we see Kaido have. Uh, and when he puts it on, his Spark ignites. And his soul is pulled into another plane. Um, I want to be clear. It's not that um, Himoto gave him a spark. He had a spark and Himoto ignited it. uh, Because she is a Kami that is built around the spark and resonated with his spark. He has his own spark. He's a planeswalker. It's not the mask that lets him planeswalk. Um, He is not not the Mowu to to Himoto. Correct. and then we get a little epilogue. He's older. He's a planeswalker. Um, this is where we learn Himoto is the Kami of the Spark. Uh, and, he, you know, and uh, Kaido is like, I have to find the Emperor. And uh, I guess we'll never learn how that works out. That's not true. He finds her. It's the Wanderer that happened last week in the main story episode. So, like, episode of our podcast. Yeah. And that's the end. The, uh, the, there's this, like, super, super cool line at the end of the epilogue where it's... Uh, Kaido pulled up his collar and stepped onto the pavement. The city reflected in every puddle around him. He was a shadow among neon lights who could disappear at a moment's notice. And he would soon enough. So uh, I just thought that part was really cool. I was like, that that has like the perfect vibes. But yeah, that's the end of the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's kind of weird covering this a week after we covered the main story. But 
the main story had some pretty pressing things to talk about, so we really didn't want to skip a week just to, to talk about that after doing this. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of, you know, important to discuss the, the you know, Phyrexianization of uh, Planeswalker. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I told you, when I, when I heard that they were publishing the uh, main story um, before previous seasons, I was like, okay, good. That alleviates my fear of, oh my God, what happens? How are they going to do preview season with, uh, with the story? Like, I don't, I, are they just going to like ruin the story the way like Vorinclex did? And uh, turns out, no, they did a good thing. The Vorinclex and... reveal was really cool in its own right, though. Like, well, adding... except like we got the card like the day the story started, which is like, I, I guess fine because like, he's in the first story but like he's not revealed to be Vorin Klex in that story so you have to be like you have to know who Vorin Klex is in order to get it yeah i i just meant like outside of the story the way that they revealed Vorin Klex was very cool oh for, sure for those of you who weren't around it was like they ended a uh like the the live stream thing that they do where it's like oh here's the set and we're going to talk about the mechanics and all this stuff and it was very cool and then as that ended they did like a weird sound distortion and like Vorinclex appeared on the screen in Phyrexian, I think it was, uh, yes. and then he like shifted to English. It was very cool. They they did a similar thing with Tamio this time. But yeah, I thought that these origin stories for Kaito were absolutely like incredible introductions to Kamigawa, or at least reintroductions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought that they gave Kaito a very fun characterization that also felt like a, a fully fleshed out character. Like he he feels real. I like Kaito a lot. Kaito's a good bean. I think that they made me feel a lot more for Tameshi than I had been feeling when I mm-hmm. read the main story. Uh, because Tameshi is a lot like Kaito. There's even a moment where Aiko is like, hey, you know, you shouldn't just trust him just because he sounds like you. Because <laughs> <laughs> they're they really are very similar. Just, you know, two sides of a of a similar situation where Kaito is a prodigy sort of like almost ninja he's not he's never like officially a ninja in the story or anything um but he's like a prodigy and so is uh tameshi in their own rights but uh yeah i thought it was great and i'm glad they they released these in the middle of december so everyone could meet and enjoy kaito before the main story happened and also like tameshi because i didn't know anything about him until i read this i'm i'm just glad that people got to meet kaito he's a good boy i'm excited like he's I liked writing him. I want to write him more. Uh, he's he's a good boy who's rough around the edges, and I love those kinds of characters. Like I'm, I'm always a big fan of um, the uh, the Spider-Man stories where um, uh, Peter is uh, a teenager as opposed to like an adult. Because um, I, I like when he's always a little bit out of his league, but he's like still kind of he like he tries to be quippy and fun but is also just kind of out of his league but it's not like he doesn't have talent or power or anything um but uh he's just like a little bit like he's like 90 percent of the way to be in like a real good complete adult hero um but he's like still working on that um the jaime reyes blue beetle is the same kind of thing um i i jaime is like one of my favorite dc heroes um and and kaito's kind of has that vibe too he's like i think he's around 20 ish in that young adult age where uh you know he's really confident and he does have a lot of skills but he's like like he is he is good 
but he still like tries to fight above his like tier level um a lot because he's he's arrogant but not in a way that's off-putting um it's it's a very it's a very tight line being able to have him be like kind of arrogant show off but also be charming um and I, i really i really like that uh that roguish charm that he has yeah, he's he's arrogant without making it something uh, that he's trying to show off. He is he is arrogant in that he has a very high estimation of his skills, but he's not arrogant in the sense that he wants everyone else to think he has. You know, he has a a, a lot more skill than he does. Um, even though he does want to convince people that he's capable of things, it doesn't come off as like I am the best ninja in the world, and you must believe that. It's a I'm going to always act like I'm a bit better than I actually am. Uh, but I mean, it all works out. I also love his penchant for snacking. That's yeah. just, just like a running th- thing through all th- these stories and the main stories is that he's like constantly just hunting down and pilfering snacks and uh, relatable. <laughs> yeah, the, the epilogue starts off with him talking about the the smells of Tawashi and how uh, it had been a year since he had pork dumplings and curried rice. <laughs> and it was just... Yeah, I'm imagining him going to other planes and like eating the food and just being so disappointed, like the the finest food in like all of Theros. And, and he's just like eating it like uh, it's not it's not dumplings to show you. It's not the same thing. We uh, we we got to get that boy over to Madara on Dominaria so he can uh, partake in some of the diaspora culture. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, I think about that sometimes, like, what would what would it be like for him to go to Dominaria and like experience what was kind of little Kamigawa <laughs> as, as a yeah. place heavily influenced by a Kamigawa transplant? Yes, uh, um, like m- multiple Kamigawa transplants. There was a planar passage between um, those two regions. Um, Madara is inspired by Kamigawan culture. Um and then corrupted by Bolas, but like you know, it, that happens sometimes to, to places in the multiverse. Um, Kaido and the Wanderer go on uh, an adventure through Little Kamigawa. Is is a little slice of life story that should happen one day, I think. I I do look forward to more stories with Kaito. I think that uh, now that we've sort of established what is happening in the multiverse, we've got. The Phyrexians, you know, over on New Phyrexia, which I think you can just call Phyrexia now, since they're no. not really an old Phyrexia. I mean, not really anymore. Yeah. But uh, anyways, we, we know that they're over there making planeswalkers into to Phyrexians. Uh, Tezzeret's got his planar bridge just sort of carrying praetors all over the place. Uh, so it's there's something going on, and it seems like Kaido is going to be part of that. Uh, you know, he leaves at the end of the main story to follow Tamio and find out what's happened to her. So you kind of have to think that like whatever big climax we're moving towards is going to have to have Kaido in it. Uh, he's going to have to be a part of it. And so I'm excited about that. It'll be it'll be fun to see see Kaido show up to, you know, kill Jin Kataxias or something. Oh, we in full. My lips are zipped, oh, yeah. closed, sealed, buttoned, pinned, locked down, ray shielded, done. Can't say a word. Uh, the future magic is very cool, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, we'll get there. We'll get there in time. Uh, anyways, uh, yeah, it's weird to cover this after doing the main story. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to talk, uh, or it would be really interesting to talk to uh, Akemi Don Bowman uh, about 
uh, what it was like writing these and if she wrote the origin stories before writing the main story or if the main story was sort of in progress when the origin story was written, uh, how those sort of linked up. Because, I mean, like I said, there's a lot of things in this story that take place in the middle of the main story, but are also like referenced back and forth. So like you could almost read this origins of Kaito after reading uh, episode one of the main story. And I think yep. it would just slot right in. Yep. But I'm always wondering like, you know, was this written in that order or was it written differently? So I don't know. It sure would be great to be able to talk to the author and figure that out. Later this month, everyone. Um, <laughs> I think, I think the episode will come out next month. No, it'll come out this month. Just like no, nah, right it's on our schedule, twenty fourth. Yeah. Uh, that's for when we record it. So is it? Yeah. Oh, it is. So we'll record it, and then it comes out like the twenty eighth. That's the last day. This that's later this month. Yeah, I know. I know it's the little baby month, but we're still going to get it in there. I wasn't sure if I was doing my math correct, and I was. <laughs> Speaking of, by the way. I guess I guess this episode is done and we can move into final thoughts. So my final thoughts is can you believe it's goddamn February already? It's February it's February 2022. Where did January go? I hate this. Everyone is acting like February came out of nowhere, but for me, the month of January has just dragged on forever. Like I wasn't quite sure it was over when February came, because it just felt like it was never going to end. But uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's February of 2022. Uh, time keeps on moving. We, uh, we've we been making this podcast for a long time now. And like I said at the beginning, you know, I've, I've been here for two years of, of the Vorthos cast. We are approaching a point where I will have been on as many episodes as I was not. And uh, that's just weird to me, because it still feels like I'm like the new kid who just joined last week. It's messed up. But uh that is not my final thought. My final thought is that uh, I my hand hurts because I was trapped in my closet for uh, two and a half hours trying to remove uh, bolts from hinges with a terrible pair of pliers. So uh, you? <laughs> as a hint to all of our listeners, go get some nice pliers and just put them in your closet in case you're an idiot like me. Uh, simply do not have a closet that locks. Uh, mine doesn't either, but the door handle sure did break while I was inside. Simply do not have a closet that needs a handle. Just have it be a little pushed or. Yeah, it was not a fun time. I mean, like it was fine. I put on a Twitch stream on my phone and then was chatting through it with our uh, on our on our discord server. Actually, uh, <laughs> I was chatting through the experience with a. This is the segue you're giving me. <laughs> uh... If you want to hear about the times Chris traps himself in his closet. Uh... <laughs> no, terrible. You segue you want for this no i look this is this is what you've set up so yeah if you if you want to be around to talk with cast members when they get stuck within their own homes uh you can head over to patreon.com slash cast because everyone who supports us on patreon gets access to our discord community where vorthoses from around the world are enjoying magic story or really freaked out by the whole tamio is a robot phyrexian thing uh justifiably so it's spooky and scary and unsettling and it shouldn't make you comfortable unless you're weird like me and you like phyrexia anyway uh <laughs> and uh we 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 have uh previous season just ended so uh a lot of deck building is gonna happen uh these uh these cards are going to be coming to um, Arena and Magic Online and uh, Paper, and you're going to be able to draft them and play Sealed. 
and play limited. People love limited. Uh, we we do actually play magic on on the server. Uh, people play magic, not just talk about lore. And so, um, you know, it wouldn't be a Kamigawa set if there weren't oodles of new legendary creatures to build commander decks around or brawl decks around, uh, depending on your format of choice. This is also a great place to uh, engage in that kind of activity, and uh, and or you could also just like hop in and join and talk about how we're all pretty disappointed in the Book of Boba Fett, <laughs> <laughs> which seems to be the consensus on this show. Uh, but uh, yeah, we got we got a wonderful community that we would love for y'all to be a part of, and uh, we're super appreciative of all our patrons who keep the show running week after week for years now. Gosh. Um, anyway, thank you all for listening. This has been the Vorthos Cast.